Hello there and welcome to another interesting edition of Spot Africana, where we'll bring you the most interesting stories uh, that is making around in the world of sports, particularly uh, from an African angle. Um, well, the African Cup of Nations is ongoing currently, and um, well, we are now in the knockout stage. And today we're going to be talking about super eagles of nigeria well this is more of the aftermath of um, the elimination of the super eagles from nigeria of nigeria from the african Cup of nations my name is oba adiola amokomo and as you know you can always listen to our podcast on all the various podcast platform um, available to you such as apple deezer um, spotify and many more so um please uh, just listen or watch all our various podcasts that we've brought to you in time past and uh, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, today we're going to be talking about Super Eagles of Nigeria. Uh, well, it's no longer news um, that Super Eagles have been eliminated and um, we were, we, we lost, Nigeria lost to Tunisia by one goal to nil and um, a, a lot of Nigerians were disappointed um, but uh, we're going to be looking or we're going to be extraing um, the team itself before the preparation, during the game, what are the lessons that we can learn and bring a lot of things into context. And to, 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 to do that with me today is no other person than Sport360, well, that's wrong, Nigeria Football 360 himself. And I'm talking about Dafe Otiti. It's always a pleasure mm-hmm. to have you on the show. Yeah, it's always good to, to, to catch up with you as well. And you're always representing. Always. You see, always representing. <laughs> In and out of season, whether we win, whether we lose, it's super eagles all the way. Yeah, that's my only team. I don't have any other team. No Arsenal, no Ayimba, super nope. eagles all the way. No, nope. no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> right. Talking about super eagles. Um, well, as I stated earlier on, it's no longer news. Nigeria is out of the African Cup of Nations. And just as I'm talking to you right now, Gambia, a debutant, have qualified for the quarterfinals. Wow. Okay, what was the score? I know they were, they were, leading, Gambia, uh, they were leading Guinea by 1-0. It ended 1-0. Ended 1-0. 1-0. And that's how they've been eking out their results. You know, mm. and Gambia defeated Tunisia, by the way. The team that eliminated... Um, the Super Eagles. But let's yeah. talk about Super Eagles. This is not about Gambia, really. Um, yeah. Okay, so the team lost. Um, I don't know, even know where to start from. Should we start from when Kenneth Rowe was sacked or when perf- um, performances were not going our way um, during Kenneth Rowe? So let's take it from there first, before Kenneth Rowe was sacked. I, I Personally, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, I'm, I was a, I'm a huge critic of Kenneth Rowe. I felt... Um, the team wasn't progressing in the way I felt it should be under him. It started well, I'm not going to lie. Um, it to be fair to say he didn't do anything. I still remembered the games, the game we the, the games that we won under him, particularly in Zambia, the game against Cameroon, that the games that qualified us to 2018 World Cup, where the famous phrase was coined, two games to spare. I'm sure you remember. Um, yeah, so, of course. So, Things were going on well until in the last two years, particularly after the World Cup, in my opinion. Um, the team seems to have plateaued. 
So what do you think um, went wrong from the Kenneth Roth era? And of course, is prompt, well, not is not necessarily prompt, but is replacement subsequently. Yeah, well, I, I think personally, I think we, we should move past the Kenneth Roth. We've gone to a tournament after him. We've got to where we got to. And um, that should be, we, we should be talking about Guavon and I'm looking forward. But again, this team was 99% Gernot Ross team. 99% of the players um, were called up by him. I think the, what went wrong, um, to me, I, I think, the way he plays does not, um, it doesn't impress Nigerians. Again, Roy is a safety first kind of um, manager. He, he wants to make sure that the, the back line is, is solid, you can't get past them, and then try and score one or two goals. We've got some fantastic goal scorers. We've got a fantastic attacking lineup. We have a decent, um, centre-back line as well. Where we struggle is in the midfield. We have, we, we have been notoriously light, both in the squad makeup and in player availability. Um, Gernot Raw, he started really well. We, I think we even went to Algeria, beat them at home, but we forfeited the match because of an NFF error um, in selecting Ahmed, um, sorry, Shil Ahmed, Delay. Um, when he was already um, disqualified, he was suspended. So we forfeited that game. We beat um, Cameroon, we, 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 did, we did really well. So the, the team kind of, I think we peaked just before the World Cup. And then when we got to the World Cup, there were some players, in fact, that, it was that World Cup that I decided I'm gonna start this Nigeria Football 360, because I was wondering, where did this Simeon Wankwa come from? Um, why are we calling up um, Joel Obi? Why, wh where are all the other players? And um, surely we have better players than this. And that has been one constant of every single squad that we've had. We've always had one or two players who have no business in that team. And what it does, it doesn't weaken our first 11 because we have a, a pretty good first 11, but it weakens the bench, it weakens the, the, the changes that we need to make, and it, and it then means that we are a one-trick pony. So we went to the World Cup, um, we were leading against um, Argentina, we just needed a draw in order, to, in order to go through to the next round. Um, but the again, his late substitutions and, and all of that, um, bringing in, I think, I think he brought in Simi for the last two minutes, if you like, um, when we, 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 we had to change, chase the game. It was obvious that certain players were tired, but this, this is like a post-mortem of, of the World Cup. We then get, get, go to um, qualify for AFCON. We get to AFCON, we, we get to the semifinals, and we get, we get found out. And it is that issue of that semi-final that has defined our second round exit today. Because Algeria figured out the way to stop Nigeria. Algeria knew that if you click the wings, Nigeria is toothless through the middle. We, we lost that game 
and then went on to play Tunisia for the third place. Tunisia, we beat them in the third place, but they learned the lessons. They saw what Algeria did in order to stop us. And then come 2020, I think it was, when we played a friendly with them in Austria. In, in Austria, they tried out how we were stopped by Algeria. And it worked for them in that friendly. They, we, we were not able to, to, to win that match in, uh, I think it was, um, was it a nil-nil draw? It was a one-one draw. One-one draw. Yeah, they, they were able to hold us. So Tunisia have studied us. They studied what we did at uh, 2019 AFCON. They studied us again, trying out a, a few little things um, during that friendly. And they, they put their... They, they, they put their learning into practice yesterday. Okay, before we go, uh, we'll backtrack a bit. Now, appointment of Eguavon, um, you, you mentioned, well, in, before we started recording, you talked about a lot of things were against us, not necessarily in our favor. Eguavon was appointed, and mm. like about a month or so to the tournament, he mm. started training with probably less than three weeks. What do you make of Augustin Eguavon and what he had been able to achieve with the team within a short space of time? Considering fact not all the mm. players were even available. Yeah, well, we, we have to understand that every country, every African country started with a weakened squad because we, we were supposed to open camp on the 28th or the 29th of December. But most of the countries entered agreements with a lot of the clubs to keep the players until the third or the fifth. So every player had a big proportion, or sorry, every country had a big proportion of their team outside of training, but they still had players to train with. We were now in a situation where we have a new coach, a few days to, to start in that coach, all we're hearing is, who is, going, who is going to take over? Is the Guavon going to take over? There was no stability there. We were not, all of a sudden, we start hearing about uh, one Jose um, somewhere else. And then the next thing we start hearing about uh, uh, Pisario or, or, or Pesario. And then we start. So all of these are destabilizing and demoralizing um, factors to, 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 to a Guavon. A Guavon is trying to concentrate on. Yes, he knows it's a fixed-term contract. Your contract is only for AFCON. But there were so many distractions. The players were being withheld. Some of them did not even make the training and flew directly to, to Cameroon. I mean, when, when, when it was obvious and then there was a push-me-pull-you between Dennis Bonaventure, would they release him, would they not release him, and all the hoo-ha that followed that. And then we ended up replacing some players. So that, that's where Olayinka came in, Wakali came in, we drafted in Ebuehi. So it was a very chaotic build-up to AFCON. Now, we get, we get to Cameroon, we have one friendly with, okay, a big team in Cameroon, um, Conor, uh, Cotton Sportif, and they, they did okay. But it was more about understanding the players and getting up close and personal with them rather than finding out what works for, for, the, for the team. So Eguavon very quickly 
realized, okay, this is this is the same old team. I'm not here to make wholesale changes. All I need to do is stamp my um, my personality on this, have one-to-ones with a lot of players, and then try and get the best out of those players. So he number one, he didn't he didn't make the the squad list. Number two, he inherited the the squad. Number three, quite a lot of a lot of um, players were not being released. So um, again, that was NFF uh, ineptitude with with uh, Dennis that made them decide the club. Even even the Saudi club said we're not releasing Igalo because he because he we, his letter came late. This is the same Saudi club that released him for the Afcon qualifiers. So I think it's a red herring when they say um, he had a clause in his contract that says he's not going to play for Nigeria. That that cannot be true because they released him for, it was administrative errors. So going through all of this, we then get to AFCON. Of course, every Nigerian player will be fired up for Egypt. Nobody wants to fail in their first match. And again, Mo Salah. So... I think after the first 10 minutes, they, they kind of realized, yes, we, we, can, we can actually take these guys. Um, we beat them, we beat uh, Guinea-Bissau, we beat Sudan, and then we start thinking that we're, that we're doing something really good. Yeah, but what do you make of Augustin Egravon's tactics? Um, how, because um, all of a sudden, we saw a different type of Super Eagles, which mm-hmm. is what the fans have always wanted. And mm-hmm. we, for the first time, I was up in a long time. Let me put it that way. What, what yeah. do you think? What, what do you think it did right? Basically, he told the players, "Play what you play for your clubs." We what what he what what he would do is say, "Right, you take care of this. You take care of this. You take care of this." And then you look at how they play for their clubs because, like Moses Simon, that we saw is the Moses Simon that we we see in Nantes. Joe Aribo that we saw is a Joe Aribo that we see in um, Rangers. In Rangers. Um, what was his name? True Kong. Yes, he has had a few problems in the past, but he focused himself. He switched off his social media and he, he came out with three very, very good um, performances. Kenneth Omero was fantastic. A lot of people were saying Kenneth Omero is past it, but he's not. He has shown that he... he he has a lot of experience. Um, all I know was, was almost a revelation. He, so these players, he basically just said to them, give us, give us what, what you give us in your club and it will work. But make sure you watch this. Make sure you take care of this. Make sure you take care of that. And that, that was our greatest um, mistake, not having too many tactical changes. Um, Sometimes we, we would see with, again, going back to, to previous, um, we, you see us start with a 4-3-3 and then we convert to a 3-5-2, if you like. Halfway through the game, we, I, I, I can remember at least one or two games where, where we did this in order to protect the lead, if you like. But we didn't really change much apart from change the personnel. We didn't change the, the, the tactics. It was only when it was absolutely necessary against um, Tunisia that we attempted to do so. But in doing that, um, what, 
he will be played what six minutes and then got a red card so that tactic was out of the window so it was back to back to the back to basics again so that, that's where that's a comment of um, one trick pony we we only had one plan there was no plan b there was no plan c there was no what are we going to do if we're if we're made to chase the game now talking about plan or no uh, I mean, I've, I have observed over the years, and this is not just with Equivalent, that a game that comes to mind was the Nigerian on the 20 game. This was between Germany and Nigeria, 2015. Mm -hmm. New Zealand, right. quarterfinal, I think, I think it was round of 16 or quarterfinal, mm -hmm. I'm not too sure. Kevin Akpogu, by the way, was the captain of the German team. Was the, was the German captain, yeah. Captain, that squad. Now, Exactly what happened, and then we're going to come to the Tunisia game. What happened against Tunisia was what happened in that Polar game. So when I saw the game yesterday, I was reminded of that Polar game. I had to go back. Mm -hmm. That our strength mainly, and Gravon said it, um, that our strength mainly is on the wings. And I agree 100%. Yes. That's Nigeria's strength. Mm -hmm. But however, when we play against tactically organized teams, okay? Where they discover our strong points and they clip those strong points, we always end up struggling, okay? Yeah. So this is the question. What, I want to believe he had learned some lessons, but what can we do to ensure that we have options whereby when our wings, when our main strength are being clipped, we have options. Well, the the, the, the first thing uh, I would say is playing personnel. The the initial squad has got to be the strongest we have. I I would say we we are not short of player options. We have some very very good players, but then when you look at our squad of twenty seven you can almost count another 25 that could fit into this team that a lot of people are scratching their heads. How come this person is not in or how come that person is not in? And if we call up the right people, we will, we, we will get far. Just imagine we had Dennis Bonaventure in, in that team playing, playing on the right with Moses Simon on the left. It, it would be a different ball game. If we had Osimen, yes, he was injured and, and all of that, but if we had Osimen in there, no doubt he would he, he would do a little bit better than both Awoni and Ihenacho. If Joe Aribo had somebody who was just as good as him in the middle, so that when when the players tire, you you you, you can change them and there's almost no drop in quality. Eguavon, I, I, I sent a question into Eguavon this morning, um, and it was he answered it um, very eloquently when he said basically the speed of passing and the speed of movement was not enough. We were too slow. We have speed merchants in that team. In a one-to-one -one race between the, the likes of Ahmed Musa, the likes of Moses Simon, the likes of Osimen, I don't know who is going to win because these are speed merchants, but the ball was not getting to them quick enough. So by the time the ball gets to them, yeah. the Tunisian defense is already settled and they already know what they're going to do. 
So that speed of transition, plus making sure that we have the right personnel in. Because we have top, top goal scorers in England. We have top goal scorers in France. We have top goal scorers in Italy. We have um, very good players in Spain. We have top goal scorers in Germany. These are top five, top five um, leagues. We also have very good um, goal scorers in, in Belgium. We have very good goal scorers in Netherlands. All the top teams, all the top 10 teams, we, we have players in there. So there's no excuse for not having somebody who is as good as the first team sitting on the bench, ready to come in with something slightly different. So <clears throat> going back to the game against Tunisia yesterday again, mm -hmm. um, because personally, I still felt we played better than them, even with 10 men, because we're still pressing forward. We're still yeah. pressing forward. We're still, we as we lost some few chances that we were able to eke out in the process. What did you think? Do you think that if Iwobi had remained in the team, there could have been a difference? It could have been different. However, the first 45 minutes, no shots on target. The second 45, the second 50 minutes, one shot on target. And the thing is, we, we saw um, we, we saw Moses Timon attempting shots. We saw Ndidi attempting at least two shots. The thing is, if you don't test the keeper, if you don't get shots on target, you cannot score. If you cannot score, you will not win. Is, is, that, is, is that simple? And to me, with all of the striking options we had, it was a serious shame that we only had one shot on target in 95 minutes. For the strikers that we have and for the midfielders that we have, that, that is a damning statistic. Yes, Iwobi came in and he made a difference for, what, six minutes? And then after that six minutes, we're chasing the game again. I read somewhere, I can't remember where I read it. Um, we, don't, we didn't have a dead ball specialist. We didn't have, we had a dead ball specialist on the bench. We, we didn't have a top, top, um, so, somebody top to strike. Aoni is one of the top strikers in, in Germany. Hmm. Sadiq is one of the top strikers in La Liga 2. Hmm. Iana Cho is the all time top um, FA um, goal scorer, African FA goal scorer there is. So it's not that we're, that, that we're lacking firepower. It's just that we're lacking accuracy and we did not convert any of our chances. Tunisia had one chance and they converted it. That's quality. That's a difference in quality. Again, if, if I go back to a, a thought process I had before this, um, this, this interview, Nigeria seems to go through three good games, one bad game. Three good games, one bad game. Again, if you look at AFCON, the, the first three uh, group games, they were good, and then one bad game. If we go to the qualifiers, we had several good games and then one bad result against um, Sierra Leone. And then the players will, will focus the game. We'll have several good player, uh, games and then one bad, one bad result against um, Central African Republic. And then several good games again. That, to me, is not a top five level team we are, we are we are probably punching above our weight and that is because our level of preparedness is not good if you look at all the teams above us 
Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Senegal, they are very, very organized. And it shows that they're organized. The, we have enough to beat teams in terms of quality and, and talent to beat teams below us. But we ha I don't think we have what it takes to beat any of the, the, the four teams. But I, don't of think, us. I personally don't think Tunisia is above us. Personally, if we face that Tunisia in, team again, we'll win them. That's for yeah, in, in, I, in, I personally I'm, don't think. I'm talking about in the rankings. Tunisia have been number two in the rankings. They're now number three in the rankings because Morocco has overtaken them. Okay. Um, so I'm talking about in, in the, rank. the rankings. So if you rank. look at all those teams above us in the rankings, they are very, very organized. You look at what Morocco is building in terms of infrastructure. You look at what Algeria is building in terms of infrastructure. You look at what Tunisia have been doing. Yes, we have been better than them. We beat them in 2019, um, AFCON for the third place. We drew with them um, in the friendly. They beat us this time. We, we are more, we are sort of at par with, with, with Tunisia. But again, with the level of preparation that we have, we will have problems with countries like Ivory Coast. We will have problems with countries like Cameroon. Mm. Mm. Okay. So um, moving forward now, in terms of, I mean, we, we were told that uh, Aguabon will move back to his role. But I was listening yeah. to, um, I think it was Colin Udo, who uh, one of the most respected Nigerian journalists. He mentioned that from fillers from what he's hearing, is that um, they've not signed a contract with Pesero. Mm. In the light of the performance, uh, maybe they might consider Eguavo to continue. What is your view or what's your take? Because we, well, have, to get it, we have to get it right in March. Yeah, I listened to the post-match um, interview between um, Eguavon and, and the press after the, after the loss last night. And what he said was, I was the interim coach. I am the technical director. I will go back to my technical director role and we will let the NFF deal with what they need to deal with. So that in itself, he has not written himself out of the job. What he's saying is it is not in his own hands. He has a substantial job to do as in the, the technical director. What he does there, I don't know, but he's a technical director. Now, the NFF need to make a decision. Do we stick with Eguavon? Do we give him the full reins, even if it's a six month contract so that they can get whoever they want to, to take us to the World Cup and we have six, three, three, four, five months before then, but, if they do give the job to Eguavon again on a temporary or on a permanent basis, they have to give him free reign. They cannot turn around and say, and say, you are the coach. These are the players you're going to play with. No. What they will need to do is Eguavon, give us a list of players that you want to work with, and then we, we will get them for you. He can't, he can't work with one hand shackled behind his If they're going to, if we are going to get past Ghana, because again, Ghana, yes, they are going through a phase. Yes, they are not of a level of quality as we are, but they do have some very good players. And no doubt Ghana will raise their game against us. Mm. Because 
Yeah, go on. about Ghana, and that was, I was going to come to that. Mm. Now, before the game against Tunisia, I, 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 I was on different platforms um, on Twitter where yeah. you were saying, oh, we're going to beat Tunisia, we're going to... And you cannot blame people for thinking that way because let's be honest, we put in an exceptional show in the, in the group stage. Yeah. We, we have not seen in a long time, you know? And so there was reason for optimism and um, hope that we mm. could face or face any team. But now we've been kind of brought down to earth or we've been yeah. humbled, so to say. Do you think now there'll be some sort of cautious optimism facing Ghana? Um, looking at that yes. Ghana squad, that Ghana squad is not balanced to start with. And Kumbuya, mm. Um, internal crisis. I do not think they should have sacked the coach, in my opinion, because he's just been there for three months, you know. But again, they have their reasons. But going into that game, Ghana, Nigeria is a derby. Now, when you're playing derbies, tactics, the technique, talent, um, skill, everything goes out of the window. Yeah. It is the passion of the derby that comes into play. And you know mm -hmm. when Ghana plays Nigeria, they get this renewed zeal. You know they can even use us to be the building project. The, the building project they can uh, use us to begin to launch back because it's Nigeria they're facing. It's their, rival, mm -hmm. their rivals. What do you think could happen, or what do you think we should be looking to do to ensure that we get it right? What What we need to do is everything that went wrong. In the build-up to Afcon, we need to get right. So number one, get the coach, whoever the coach is going to be. If he's going to be a Guavon, do it quickly and say a Guavon, you are taking us there. If it's the other person they want to get to sign the contract, it's no good signing the contract two weeks before um, call-up because whoever the coach is going to be has to be concentrated and has has to have a, a, a plan. So get the coach sorted, allow the coach to draw up his list of players that he wants, get the call-up papers out in good time, in, in, in the right time. No talk of, we, we, got, um, we got your email late, so we're not releasing. We need our best players on the pitch. We, we need our cement there. We need Dennis there. We need, if we're going to change any of the goalkeepers, we need to get, get these people prepped and ready. If we're, going, if we're going to change any of the defenders, we're going to have to get those people prepped and ready, not keep them waiting and then call them up um, three days to, to, to the deadline. Get in touch with them now and say, get ready. We're facing Ghana. We want you ready. And just get them in, in the zone. So that they know that, yes, it's, it's a month away or six weeks away. Call-up will probably be in, in a month's time. But they need to be focused and they need to get the plan right. Because, again, if we have that sort of haphazard um, build-up to the game, then we're half defeated. I mean, when, when you look at the, the great heavyweights of, of, of the old days, most of them were beaten because either they, they did not prepare enough or they, they, they were not ready for the fight. 
you look at Sonny Liston, you look at George Foreman, these are heavy hitters that, that would knock anybody out. Even Mike Tyson was, was beaten several times because he was not in tip-top shape. And what we need to do is get our plan ready early and execute that plan. If we get everybody that we need in the squad, if we put a plan in place, we will have too much for Ghana. Right. And two more things I want to talk about before we, before we go. Um, mm. I, I'm of an opinion that Cyril Dezers, who has been going, banging in goals, would offer more yeah. than one or two strikers that we have at AFCON. It's more direct. It scores goals. I don't know what you think. I, I think we need some additional infusion. And I think it's yeah. simply that he wanted to go. Because he made yeah, a yeah. joke on Twitter. I saw it. I, I saw it. We, we, we need to change. We, we need to inject a bit more quality in our, in our strike force. Some of the strike force will benefit from that extra competition for places. Some of them will benefit from a rest. When, when I say that, if you bring in Dennis to compete with Chukwueze, then Chukwueze has no other option than to raise his game or and sit on the bench. Talking about Dennis, ten, Dennis tends to, his decision-making is much more better than Chukwueze. I don't know what you think. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, it's, it's a consequence of, of coaching and training. Within, within Villarreal, they, they, they have quite a few options in attack. So Chukwueze has that luxury of if it doesn't work for him, it will work for um, the other person or the other, or the Morenos. There, there are two Morenos there. And there. So they have different options for, for to, to get the goals. In Dennis's case, he is one of the only options between himself, Josh King, and, and one other, and uh, Ismail Assar, but Ismail Assar has been injured. Um, he is the number one go-to person in Watford. So that then sharpens his brain. He, there are no options. If I don't do it, then we, we might not win, kind of. So that, that's where the decision-making is coming. And again, he mentioned Cyril Dessas. Cyril Dessas got the, um, the nickname, the 93 minutes man. He, he often come off the bench and score in the 93rd minutes. That is a sort of impact player that we need. When you're chasing the game, you look on the bench, you see, you see somebody that, that gets late goals, bring him on. So again, that would mean one or two of um, um, Sadiq or Taiwo dropping either to the bench or out of the squad completely. But hey, we, we've underachieved at this AFCON and there have to be consequences. The same thing, Tere Mofi. Um, Paul Onoachu, would Paul Onoachu done better than Awoni? We don't know. Would um, Onoachu have done better than Sadiq Umar? We don't know. Until, but we, we need these uh, improvements. The same thing if we, if we look in the midfield. Okay, we had Kelechi Wakali had a couple of games. Um, but there's also Al-Hassan Yusuf with, um, Al -Hassan with, with um, Antwerp. There, there is also the, the young man, Yedika, with uh, Micheland. There is Obina Wobodo with um, Gostepe. So there, there are a lot of midfield options that, that we can begin to look at and see 
where we can fit one or two in to inject um, that little bit of quality. Now, Iwobi has um, got a red card. He will not be available for the next match. That, that's an opportunity to rest him and bring in another midfielder to, to have a look. Maybe even give Frank Oyeka a bit more, a bit more time on, on the pitch. Going into the back, there's Awazim. He's the only outfield player that we didn't see play, if you like. So th th there are changes. Th there are changes to come in, and if we inject, let's say, five new players in a in, in a thirty-man squad, that is not too much to to look at. And even if it's just for them to blend with the squad, and then take one or two spots on the bench then at least we've injected a little bit more quality because we need that bench to be closer in quality to the first team in order to, to be able to make those tactical changes. And talking about Madeka Okoye, as we begin to round up, um, mm -hmm. he suffered he's suffered a lot of criticism from different quarters. From yeah. when he joined the Super Eagles, joining as a, a semi-pro when it was a future Dusseldorf, um, second team. Um, I criticized that move as well, but mm -hmm. in fairness, he has moved in leaps and bounds. He yeah. joined Sparta Rotterdam, had a stellar season in his first full season as a professional. He's doing very well so far in the second season. And um, he considered a goal which um, many felt that um, should have at, at least because he, he's untouched the ball. He, he, he got his hand to the ball. He got his hand to the ball. So, what do you think? First and foremost, what do you think about the goal and the goal itself? Then, two, what do you think about the criticism that is getting from several fans, several fans across um, the media space? I think I think he 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 could have done a little bit better with that. He. It was obvious he was not expecting the ball to, to get through the body of players. Um, but it is little things like this that, that are the margin between success and failure. Um, when you look at the goalkeeper, he's what, 23, 24? He's still very young. Sorry, 22. Yeah. Um, you look at Zoho, he's, he's a little bit, maybe one or two years older. They, they are young keepers. Now, when you look at where he has come from, where he is now, and where he's going to next season, you can see that upward trajectory. You can see that this is a, this is a young man on the right. Yes, he was thrust into, in, into the limelight a little bit too early for, for my liking. Um, it was fortunate for him. But at the time, I was thinking, when his name started coming up, I was thinking, okay, Maduka Okoye, let's get him into our under-23s, because he was 19 then. Let's get him, get him into our under-23 so that we can assess him properly. Because again, when we look at our age-grade teams, we, we just sort of cobble them from, from everywhere. It doesn't matter if they're playing anywhere. It doesn't matter if they're in an academy. It doesn't matter if they're in a third team. As long as the, the, the player matches, they put them in. So that's where I thought he would fit in to the Nigeria system and then grow from there. But he was put into the, the, the first team, not, not the first team, the, the main Super Eagle squad. And then the injury to Uzoho thrust him. He had to sink or swim. And he did okay in, in, that, in that match. He has grown. But again, with a lot of young players, sometimes they tend to switch off. And I think he probably switched off. He, was, he, he could see that 
the attack was on, but he didn't think that the ball would come in that quick. The fact that he got a hand to it was good. And again, that's, that deflection from his hand could have taken it onto the bar and out or over, but it, 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 went, it went in the net. I think he's still good for Nigeria. And I also think that the competition between himself and Uzoho is only healthy for us. Now, when we get to um, the abuse on online, um, I did a post just, just before we went on air because um, I saw quite a lot of the abuse. He switched off the comments on his social media. Um, a lot of death threats, a lot of abuse, a lot of vile language used there. It's not the first time this has happened. This happened with Akwe'i. And after 20, in fact, from 2019 up till now, three years later, the typical comment on, of a fan on Akwe'i is he doesn't look confident. So they're, they're undermining and they're crushing. They're undermining and they're crushing. And this is what I see is, is happening now with Maduka Okoye. Anytime he, he gets called up, there's going to be a howl of, um, of dissent, if you like. And he's, he's, got, he's going to have a rough couple of years. But the other thing that I, that I said, and I want to get this on record, um, in other countries, in, in the West, in the U.S., you could, use, you could lose your job for putting abuse online. You could go to jail for putting abuse online. But a lot of Nigerian fans are not, it doesn't concern them because nobody's going to chase them. But there's one thing that could concern them. A lot of Nigerians trying to leave the country, go to America, go to Canada, go to Europe, go to wherever. If you have been abusive on social media and you go to the American embassy, the Canadian embassy, the French embassy, and they look at your social media profile and they see all of that, they will just stamp reject on, on your, because they check people's social media, both for criminal activity, for undesirable activity, for homophobia, for, for all sorts. So these, I'm not gonna call them football fans, these people on social media that live off of trolling, that live off of abuse, that live off of um, undermining all, all the time, there are consequences. And those consequences can be very, very expensive for that person. It needs to stop. And personally, I, I can see Maduka taking one or two down. If, if you find one or two of these people are in Belgium or are in Malaysia or are in, um, in, in the UK or, or somewhere in the Ukraine, take it up with Twitter, take it up with Instagram, send the police around to their house. That person loses their job, that person gets um, deported. And I would back him. Personally, if I knew anybody, I would call the police and say that person on number 25 there is the one that is... Um, issuing death threats, because it is unacceptable to be abusive to somebody who has decided that they want to represent you at AFCON at the World Cup. That they fell short does not mean that you should be wishing their aeroplane falls from the sky. No, it's that, that's just despicable. Hmm. Thank you very much, Dafe uh, Otete of Nigerian 360. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking 
um, Nigeria football with you. And we hope that um, when next we talk, um, things would have moved um, in a positive direction. And we hope yes. that our Super Eagles would uh, make the World Cup. And we hope that uh, we learn from our lessons. Uh, for me, it seems that um, AFCON is practically over for me. I am even strong. It, it, not practically, it is over for me. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you very much. And there you have it. Um, we've been talking about Nigeria Super Eagles, the aftermath of the elimination from African Cup of Nations and Cameroon 2021. Um, so until we come here again, when we bring you more interesting stories, you have a wonderful day and stay blessed. Thank you.